Good morning and welcome to Elgin Baptist Church. We love to have you with us today, whether you are local or whether you're beaming in from far and wide. We trust you will be blessed as we are here to open God's Word, worship Him and glorify His name. And as we do so, we'll stand to sing, My hope is built on nothing less but Jesus' blood and righteousness. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we can come together in the knowledge that you are alive and that you are risen, that we know you as our creator God, that we know you as a loving father, that we know you as one who has forgiven our sins. And we thank you that we can sing with confidence that song, our hope is built on nothing less but Jesus' blood and righteousness. Lord, we come before you this morning and we bring nothing of our own. And we simply cling to you, to your cross and to your saving power. And we thank you for everything that you have done in our lives. Be with us as we consider your word later on and as Graham comes to speak. And bless this time, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, good morning, boys and girls. I was wanting to tell you a story about one of my favourite toys when I was a wee boy. And it's probably no surprise, I liked cars, toy cars. And many of the cars I had were just the standard ones that you pick up and you kind of move them forward and backwards and that's what they do. But one of my brothers, he got a very special car and um, just recently I managed to get a copy of the very same car. So I brought it with me. There it is. And it's a car that has got a wee handle on the top. And if you turn it, as you probably can see, the front wheels move. So when I was a little boy, I played with that. And that was my favourite car toy. Because if I turned the handle on the top, I was able to let the car go to the left or to the right without me pushing it. It just drove automatically. And I thought that was fabulous. Many years later, when I was... Um, a grown man, I bought a car that you can sit in. But instead of buying it from a garage, I actually bought it on the internet. So I had looked at some pictures, and I quite liked this car, and I decided to phone the person up and to buy the car and go and collect it. The only problem was that the person who was selling the car lived in Kent. Now Kent is more than 600 miles away, so it's a long way to go. So I made an appointment to go and see the gentleman and I went by train and by bus and I arrived where he was and the car was exactly as it was in the pictures. It was great. I thought this car looks good. So I paid him the money and I got a certificate signed to say that I owned the car, put the key in ignition and I drove off and quite quickly I realised there's something not right with this car. And I thought by myself, oh no, what have I done? What have I bought? Because what was happening is it was the car was feeling as if the wheels were wobbly. So it wasn't steady. It wasn't straight on the road driving just normal like normal cars. It almost felt as if the wheels were coming off. It wasn't a very nice journey and it was a long way home. So I phoned my local garage while I was still in Kent and I said, I bought this car and it's got wobbly wheels. What do you think is wrong with it? 
And the gentleman said, well, he says, your car needs balanced and it needs aligned. Now, I didn't know what that meant at the time. But anyway, I drove the car the whole way back to Fochabers, put the car in the garage, and the garage balanced my wheels, which means that they put the tire the right way onto the wheel, and they did alignment, which means that the car wheels are all straight in one line, so I understand. And I went to pick up the car out the garage, and the car drove beautifully. It was absolutely wonderful. And that made me think, in our lives, it's important that we allow God to be our steering. He knows how our life is in balance. And we know how our life is in line with the very best that he has intended for us. So that's what that reminded me of. So I trust that as you grow up, and even so for adults, for grown-ups, that you would put your trust in him and that you would allow him to balance and align your life. Now, we're going to sing about this very special person who can do that. And the song is called, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Please rise to sing. Thank you. Let's pray. Lord, as we grow up in this world, we come across something very precious. It's the bond of friendship. Sometimes these can be friends at school, friends at work, neighbours, just pals. And sometimes it's somebody who we marry who becomes our best friend. But we, above all, value the fact that we can have a friend in you. A friend who never uh, looks upon us when we do something wrong. A friend who loves us no matter what. We thank you for your grace and we thank you for your mercy upon our lives that you are the true friend who never lets us never never lets us go who is always thinking of our very best so we thank you that as we come together now that we can open your word and we ask that you would give us an insight in it and that you would bless it to us in jesus name amen the reading for this morning comes from Jeremiah chapter 20. <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 20. And I'm going to read for you the entire chapter. Um, and I'll just give you a second to look it up. Jeremiah chapter 20. When the priest, Pasher son of Emmer, the official, in charge of the temple of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things. He had Jeremiah the prophet beaten and put in the stocks at the upper gate of Benjamin at the Lord's temple. The next day, when Pasha released him from the stocks, Jeremiah said to him, The Lord's name for you is not Pasha, but terror on every side. For this is what the Lord says, I will make you a terror to yourself and to all your friends. With your own eyes you will see them fall by the sword of their enemies. I will give all Judah into the hands of the king of Babylon, who will carry them away to Babylon and put them to the sword. I will deliver all the wealth of this city into the hands of their enemies. All its products, all its pasha, valuables and all the treasures of the kings of Judah they will take it away as plunder and carry it off to Babylon. And you, Pasher, 
and all who live in your house will go into exile to Babylon. There you will die and be buried, you and all your friends whom you have prophesied lies. You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I'm ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in, indeed I cannot. I hear many whispering, terror on every side. Denounce him, let's denounce him. All my friends are waiting for me to slip, saying, perhaps he will be deceived. Then he, we will prevail over him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. So my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. Lord Almighty, you who examine the righteous and probe the heart and mind, let me see your vengeance on them, for to you I have committed my cause. Sing to the Lord, give praise to the Lord. He rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. Cursed be the day I was born, may the day my mother bore me not be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought my father the news, who made him very glad, saying, A child is born to you, a son. May that man be like the towns the Lord overthrew without pity. May he hear wailing in the morning and battle cry at noon. For he did not kill me in the womb with my mother as my grave, her womb enlarged forever. Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? Graham Mayer is now coming to share the word of God and the message that the Lord has laid on his heart. Thank you, Ed, for leading our service today. Thank you also, Gilbert, for what you do and recording them and putting them online. Thank you also for the different ones who allow us to use their music. Thank you for listening uh, in today. I pray that God will use this message for a blessing to you. Just pray before I preach. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to open your word. Thank you for the scriptures. And we just pray for the Holy Spirit's power and help for myself speaking and for those listening. Pray that your word will change us this morning. We thank you, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Jeremiah was a prophet who prophesied between 627 BC to 587 BC. He preached under five kings of Judah. And Jeremiah's ministry and preaching was one of warning the people of coming judgment. But in this preachings, Jeremiah's uh, got much uh, appeal at the very beginning of to return unto the Lord. Jeremiah preached for 40 years without possibly one single convert or any evidence of change through his preachings. 
Maybe Ebed Melech, the Ethiopian servant, might have been one, but maybe not. We don't know. But for 40 years, he preached under constant opposition. When you think of someone like Moses and how he used the stuff and the Red Sea parted, or you can look at David uh, with the stones and the sling and the, the slain of Goliath, or Jonah preaching 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Or you come to the New Testament and you see Peter and the day of Pentecost and 3,000 souls saved, or, or Paul, the Apostle Paul in his missionary journeys. They saw evidence for their labors for God. Paul saw people saved and churches built and the work of the gospel spreading. But Jeremiah saw nothing for 40 years. When I first started preaching online recently, at the beginning of COVID, I bumped into somebody and they said, we notice that someone because I'm not sure, I wasn't as sure about YouTube or anything like that. Or they said, we see someone is giving you a thumbs down to your preaching. I asked, was it one thumbs, how many thumbs down? And they said, one thumbs down. Jeremiah would have been delighted if he'd only one thumbs down to his preaching. Because Jeremiah is a kind of prophet that no one wanted to listen to. If Jeremiah came along, no one came to hear him. This is a weeping prophet preaching a message of judgment. But God doesn't measure our lives by our successes, but by our faithfulness. And where we have read here in chapter 20, to understand this chapter, we have to understand what happened in chapter 19, when, God, when Jeremiah called the elders to the valley of the sin of Hinmon. And there in that valley, he took up an earthen jug, he smashed it down, and he said to them that this was like them. It was too late for them. They cannot be made whole again. It was a strong message that it was over for God's people. The Babylonians would come. God's judgment would fall upon them. And then he marched back up to the temple courts, and there he preached that message again. And Jeremiah, the prophet, was a fearless man sounding out God's word. And how much, is, how much that is needed today? We were in uh, Broth for a day when we were away on holiday, and I, at the harbour there's a, a wee plaque about the Bell Rock Lighthouse, it's quite amazing how it was built because they could only build it between April and October. Uh, it took them four years. And even in that time period, April to October, it was very tidal. It's a rock 11 uh, miles off. And it's quite a remarkable piece of engineering. And it's said there in medieval times, there was a story that there was a warning bell put on the rock. But a pirate named Rolf the Rover came and took away the bell and the ships went on and floundered on the rocks and there he plundered the goods. There was no warning bell to warn the ships. There was only uh, a tale about it. might have been true, we don't know. But the warning bell was removed. And today we need to make sure that there is a clear sounding out of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. There needs to be the warning bell because God has commanded a day that he's going to judge the world. And Jeremiah was a faithful 
prophet, a faithful preacher of God's word. And it came at a costume. There was a consequence to Jeremiah, and that's where we began to read in chapter 20. Because Pashur, the chief governor in the house of the Lord, heard what Jeremiah said and laid hold on him and put him into stocks that were in the high gate. And Jeremiah must have spent a day, spent a night in these stocks. It was a public humiliation for Jeremiah. Also, these stocks were twisted and turned, and this was hard for him. It must have been hard on his body. But after he was released, he again had a message. He didn't suddenly just go home and get back and hide away. He gave Pashur a message. He told him that the king of Babylon would come. The Judah would be given into his hands. But also, Jeremiah was faithful in what he said to Pashur in verse 6, that you shall go to Babylon, and there you shall die and be buried there. He was a prophet who would not be silenced. Jeremiah was a faithful man, sounding out the commission that he had been given by God. And how much we need of Jeremiah in us today to serve courageously and faithfully, to witness today in an intimidating atmosphere, to live out and out for Christ, obedient to God's word, to keep on even in opposition and even in difficult days and difficult circumstances because part of being a Christian is that we suffer for the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we need Jeremiah's. Jeremiah's today in our churches are people that will, inc- will inspire us to live. They will give us that uh, courage when we come across them that they are fearless for God. And Jeremiah was that. Outwardly, if you'd lived at this time, you would have come across a courageous, fearless prophet. I emphasize outwardly. Because inwardly, behind the scenes, Jeremiah was a broken, crushed, dejected, discouraged, despairing servant of the Lord. A man who was on the point of quitting. He was so discouraged in serving. He he found his life was without purpose. And J. Sidlow Baxter says this, all disappointed, disappreciated, disregarded, misunderstood, persecuted Christians should turn aside again and again to commune with the, the heroic great heart of this prophet. And maybe today you're listening and you feel like Jeremiah. You feel Outwardly, you are something that people see coming to church. There are two yous, like there are two Jeremiahs. And you come and you serve and you labor. But inwardly, you feel like Jeremiah. You feel broken. You feel crushed. You feel a sense of despair. You feel a tremendous weight of discouragement upon you. Living out and out for Christ. Maybe you feel that you're the only Christian in your family or in your workplace or in whatever, and you feel that. Maybe you feel a weariness in serving. 
It's all become so weary. Maybe you feel a disappointment in church. Maybe you find witnessing so hard and you feel a sense of discouragement. And it's really hard that. And it's really hard when we find ourselves in that circumstance. And there are times that we all feel like that. Because living as a Christian at times can be a great struggle. But I find today great encouragement in coming to Jeremiah. And learning from Jeremiah's prayer and how God answered this prayer. It's a completely different prayer to what we did last week in Hezekiah. Where Hezekiah in a crisis, he prayed, he focused on God, he spread it out before the Lord. And we, we heard these encouraging words. Because you prayed, because you prayed. Because you prayed, your church is being going to be blessed. Because you prayed, things are going to happen in your life. Why? Because you prayed. And that was Hezekiah's prayer last week. What a blessing prayer is in our life. I was just reading about St. Kilda this weekend, the weekend past that it's 90 years since the last people were evacuated off of St. Kilda. Remember once fishing at the Flannan Islands and in the distance seeing St. Kilda. And it's always had a fascination for me. And I read in the papers last weekend of a journalist, uh, John Sands, who was stranded on St. Kilda. And he sent out a mail boat, a small boat, waterproof, and sent out a letter calling out for help. And it was nine days later that it landed through the tides in Orkney and they came to rescue him and along with him nine Austrian sailors that too were uh, stranded on St Kilda. And that's how the people in St Kilda started to use uh, a way of calling for help in different times was these small boats, small wooden boats, waterproof, that they put messages calling for help. And they sent them out hoping that somehow, someone, somewhere would receive them. But when we pray and call out to help, our prayers are not floating about in the sky and some may reach God and some may not reach God. When we pray, we are coming to God in the name of the Lord Jesus. We are standing in God's presence and God hears our prayers. And Jeremiah is a great example of a man of prayer. I probably have studied no book more in the Old Testament than the book of Jeremiah. And I find it a great book that I keep coming back to and back to. And Jeremiah was a real man of prayer. We find in chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6 in prayer, in chapter 10 and 12, and then 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18, and now in chapter 20. And Jeremiah's prayer here in verse 7 is not a model prayer in what he says, but it's a model prayer in his honesty before God. Someone said, honesty before God is liberating. You know that times you're alone, you maybe go out a walk and you're in the car or you're walking the beach and there's no one listening and you can just, you can just be honest before God in your prayers. Honesty before God in prayer. And Jeremiah, it's a great thing to have God to turn to in prayer. As an old hymn, it says, 
Is there anyone can help us? One who understands our hearts when the thorns of life have pierced them till they bleed. One who, symp one who sympathizes with us. There is one and the psalmist encourages us. Trust in him, all ye peoples. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge to a sealer. And that word pour out is like the pouring out of a container. You know, when you pour something out, you make sure every last drop is out. And that's what the psalmist is encouraging us. And that's what Jeremiah here is doing. He is pouring out his heart to God. He's holding nothing back. And let's look at his prayer and how he starts it. This is a, a passionate outburst of Jeremiah. It's not the first time he has felt something towards God. In chapter 15, he's, he accuses God of being like, um, like waters that fail, like a treacherous spring, like a traveler that goes up and he expects waters and he's disappointed that there is no water. And Jeremiah in chapter 15 is expressing a sense of disappointment with God. But here in chapter 19, think of these words, uh, sorry, chapter 20. Oh Lord, you have induced me. Or some of the translations, you have deceived me. Or you have made a fool of me. It's really strong language, this. And then he goes on to say, you are stronger than I and have pre prevailed. He feels that God has bullied him into being a prophet. He's disappointed with God's plan for his life. He feels he has been lured into it. And the outcome of being this prophet that God called him to be is that I am in derision daily. Everyone mocks me. It's quite strong language to use in prayer to God, Jeremiah here. One commentator says, Who of us can feel justified in censoring him for what he said here? And when we come to that verse 7, we might say, and it's right to say, that Jeremiah's exposing his heart, the heart of Jeremiah. But I believe here it's showing us too, in a greater way, the heart of God. God has recorded it. God has recorded this prayer in the Bible. Jeremiah is, is a book, I believe, gives us the heart of God like no other a book in the Bible, in the Old Testament. I remember, and I recommend Christopher Wright's commentary on Jeremiah. I remember reading it early one morning and I was going through it and I came across this bit and I actually wakened my wife to tell her and she didn't look too amused. She went back to sleep. I think it was six o'clock in the morning. She says, you must. But I had to wait till whatever time she did waking up properly. Because I was really touched with what Christopher Wright drew attention to in his commentary. He speaks of the beast being gone, the fowl of the heavens. And he spoke of the silence. And all he spoke, he mentioned was this. It says about God, or it could be Jeremiah. He's, Christopher Wright said, it could be God. Taken up weeping and wailing. He spoke of the silence of creation. And only what could be heard was the sobs of the creator for his people that were going away from him and headed to judgment. Think of that. The sobs and the tears of the creator God. And I believe here is God's feelings 
towards Jeremiah that Jeremiah, God says nothing to Jeremiah. He doesn't rebuke him. He doesn't silence him. He doesn't take him away from being a prophet. There's only a silence because God feels Jeremiah's pain. He feels your pain. He feels your discouragement. He feels your disappointments. We have that in regards to our great high priest, our Lord Jesus Christ. God feels, fellow believer, what you're passing through as a Christian. Your weariness and service or discouragement. Because God wants to meet you this morning to encourage you. And I trust that we will, as we go through this, find this. Because would the Lord deceive us? It's Jeremiah saying, oh Lord, you have induced me, you have deceived me. Would God deceive us, fellow believer? Never. Because God loves us with an unconditional love. It says in Jeremiah later on, I've loved you with an everlasting love. There with, there with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Think of God's unconditional love to us. What was there in us to cause God to love us so much? What were we? We were rebel sinners facing God's eternal wrath in hell. That's what we were. But God demonstrated his love. John 3:16, for God so loved the world. Romans 5, God commends his love to us. Let me remind you, believer, let me remind you if you're listening as an unbeliever that God loves us and God loves you. And you may be listening here and you've never trusted Christ and you're listening in and maybe you've been an atheist and you have been very vocal that there is no God, but God has been working in your life. And you may be sitting here uh, listening this morning thinking, would God have me back? After all the things in the life I've lived, let me tell you this, that God would love to have you come as a repentant sinner and experience his forgiveness. During the beginning of COVID-19 in Italy, where we saw so much in the news, so much, so many people who lost their lives and the doctors, nurses, the danger, etc. One doctor who spoke was a 38-year-old atheist. He spoke of how he laughed at his mother and father's faith. He laughed at them going to church. But he said these words. Nine days ago, a 75-year-old pastor came into the care. He was a man who read his Bible. And he read the Bible to those who were dying and held their hand. This is what this atheist said. Devout atheist. He says, we realize that in the midst of all that we're doing as humans, we need God. We began to ask for his help whenever we had a few free minutes. We talked to each other and we couldn't believe that as fierce atheists that we were, we were now every day in search of peace. Asking the Lord to help us resist so that we can care for the sick. The 75-year-old pastor died. The shepherd went to be with the Lord, and soon we will also follow him if it continues like this. I have not been home for six days. I do not know when I last ate. I want to take my last breath to help others. I am happy to have returned to God. I am happy to have returned to the Lord Jesus. While surrounded by the suffering and death of my fellow men. 
Maybe that's your story, will be your story. That you, like that atheist doctor in Italy, will come back through repentance. And let me ask everyone listening, are you a believer on the Lord Jesus? Have you had your sins forgiven, cleansed in his precious blood? Do you know God? Do you know the joy of knowing the living Christ, the living Jesus, as your own personal saviour? And Jeremiah continues on. He continues on in verse 8. He says, because the word of the Lord was made to me a reproach and a derision daily. And then he, he speaks in verse 10 of how he had many mocking, fear on every side. Report the said and we will report it. This is really hard for Jeremiah. Jeremiah had no one. You can read earlier in Jeremiah how his people in Anathoth, where he grew up, turned against him. Chapter 12, his family were dealing treacherously with him. He was told not to marry in chapter 16. He is this lonely prophet. He's feeling the opposition. And he, he is in the point of quitting where we read in verse 9. Then I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. Jeremiah feels that it's too much. These are the words of this godly prophet. I will not make mention of, mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. And maybe today, that's how you feel. You feel it's over. Maybe you're on the point of quitting serving or quitting church or walking away. Let me encourage you. Let me just remind you. Let's remember the Lord Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember what the Lord was facing the next day. Remember his, the cross was looming. And you want to read Gethsemane and read of his sorrows in the garden. Because he felt what he was about to endure in suffering upon the cross for our sins. But the Lord Jesus did not turn aside. He did not quit. He kept going. He could have called 12 legions of angels. The chariots that picked up Elijah and took, him home, took Elijah home would have been delighted to come and take the Lord Jesus right home because of who he was and the spotless, perfect life that he lived. But he kept going. And he kept going and he died upon that cross and he rose again. And because he kept going, we have a glorious gospel to proclaim. And believer in Christ, keep going. Because you might feel there's no fruit, there's nothing from your labors. But the Lord appreciates it. And the Lord knows what you do. And you and I, can't, we can't see at times. We can't see the fruit from our labors. But God can. And God will use our lives when we live and serve faithfully and use our talent. Jeremiah, don't quit Jeremiah. Christians, don't let us quit. One of the most touching stories that I ever came across, I've probably read it uh, out here uh, before, I think many years ago, was the story of David Flood and his wife Svee Flood, missionaries from Sweden that found themselves in the heart of Africa. But then they found there was constant opposition and the only person that Svee Flood could speak to about the Lord Jesus was the young boy that came to sell them chicken and eggs. So she thought if that's the only one, she would share the gospel with them. And she did. And what, what happened, malaria came and other missionaries went back. And Svee Flood eh, 
had a baby and died 17 days later at the age of 27 and was buried in Africa. David Flood was so discouraged that he went to the mission station and handed the newborn baby in. He turned his back on his calling in God and headed back to Sweden. His daughter would grow up in America. She was brought up in America by missionary parents and she went to Bible college and she married and she was serving the Lord and she came across this article in a Swedish magazine uh, and it showed a grave in a mother's name, Svee Flood. And she went to Sweden to meet her father for the first time. And she was told when she went to Sweden not to mention the name of God. Because her father had turned his back. And when she came into the room, and the first time she met her father, she called him Papa. And he turned and began to cry. Anya, he said, I never meant to give you away. It's all right, Papa, she replied, embracing him gently with her arms. God took care of me. The old man instantly froze, the tears stopped. God forgot all of us, he said. Our lives have been like this because of him. His daughter stroked his face and then continued undismayed. Papa, I've got a little story to tell you. And it's a true one. You didn't go to Africa in vain. Mama didn't die in vain. That little boy you want to the Lord grew up to win that whole village to Jesus Christ. The one seed you planted just kept growing and growing. Today there are 600 African people serving the Lord because you were faithful to the call of God in your life. He did come back to the Lord. What a tremendous story. Jeremiah did not quit. Jeremiah did keep on. And let me just bring four points here to you about what helped Jeremiah. If you look at verse uh, 9, it says, But his word was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. That's the first thing, is this, is that, God placed this gift and this talent within Jeremiah. And here was God lighting the fire again and keeping the flame going. And Jeremiah is to say that his word was like a burning fire. And how this morning can we have this burning heart, this burning fire within us? It's two things. I believe it's through reading God's word and letting God speak to us like this this, mo this morning as God speaks to you through his word, but also through other believers. As I look back in my life and I look back in my time here in Elgin Baptist, I thank God for different times that when I was very discouraged, People like Jim Brown and Willie Cowie, stalwarts in this church, their words were a great encouragement to keep going. But possibly one of the lowest times was when I phoned and cancelled, the only time I've ever been so discouraged that I cancelled a preaching. And the person that lifted me and the person that spoke to me, I put out and took a hold of my arm and encouraged me with tears in her eyes was Sheila Parkinson a doctor in this church who works in Dr. Grace. And you know, that's what we should be to one another. We should be. Think of those who do Sunday school or music or maybe the pastor Graham here or, or those who are 70s. As times that people grow weary in service and Christians, we have a responsibility in encouraging one another to keep the fire burning in our hearts in service. 
And the second thing is this, verse 11. But he says, the Lord is with me as a mighty, awesome one. Twice in chapter 1, God says, I'm with you, Jeremiah. I'm going to be with you. And Jeremiah here is accepting and believing the promises of God. Christians, read the word of God and believe in his promises towards us. They encourage us. God is with us. Chapter verse, the third point is in verse 12, but O Lord of hosts, like Hezekiah last week, focusing on God. Here again, it's that name, Jehovah Sabaoth. Lord of hosts. And then four, for I have pleaded my cause before you. Four things. As heart, God ignite in the fire in verse 9. Verse 11, that the Lord is with me. Verse 12, but O Lord of hosts, he's focusing on God. Verse 12, the end of it, for I have pleaded my cause. I've shared it with God. And here is this man who, in verse 7, was down in the depths, the very valley of despair, broken and, and crushed and discouraged. But now he's on the mountaintop. He's climbed high. And in verse 13, he says, sing to the Lord, praise the Lord. He's been changed. Why? Because he has come and he has, his honesty before God in prayer. He said, Lord, and he's shared how he's felt. God has come in for him in these four points. And we could stop there. And that's a great ending of Jeremiah on the mountaintop singing praises to the Lord. But it doesn't stop there because we've got verse 14 to verse 18. And there is no prayer and there is no song and no thanksgiving. There is nothing in these verses of cheer, is there? Verse 14, he's cursing, as in his lamentation, he's cursing the day in which I was born. And then verse 15, let the man be cursed that came with news that Jeremiah was born. And then verse 17, that my mother might have been my grave and her womb. He's saying, I just wish that my mother's womb would not only be my birth, but my grave, I would have died there. Jeremiah here is forgetting his God-ordained purpose in his life. And he uses words. Look at the words in verse 18. Labor, sorrow, and shame. Think of this prophet in the very depths again. What has happened, Jeremiah? What has happened is this. Jeremiah is looking out instead of looking up. He's looking and he's surrounded with opposition. But when Jeremiah focused on God and he prayed to God and he listened to God, Jeremiah was on the mountaintop. And that's why it's so important this morning that we keep looking steadfastly on Jesus. We keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus. We keep our eyes focused on God and his majesty, his magnificence, his greatness. It, we need to keep asking the Holy Spirit of God to help us daily. We need to abide in Christ. We need to keep reading the word of God. We need to keep praying. We need to keep in church. We need to keep amongst the fellowship of God's people or otherwise we will drift and our lives will drift into hopelessness and purposelessness as Christians and we will not fulfill the God-ordained plan for our lives. 
Be encouraged today that God's hand was upon Jeremiah and God's hand is upon you and me. God's plan was being fulfilled here and God's plan is being fulfilled in my life and your life. And God's love was towards Jeremiah and God's love is towards you and me. And after this chapter, we read no more of Jeremiah complaining. His complaints end here. Jeremiah would go on to passionately serve God faithfully. Just let me encourage in closing is this. I don't know how you're feeling at this moment, but come and bring it to God in prayer. Honesty before God. Share it with the Lord. Share your weariness and servants. Share your disappointments. Maybe in church, maybe in other Christians. Maybe in God, his plan for your, your life. Whatever it is as a Christian that you're struggling with, share it with the Lord and allow the Lord to speak to you. Allow his word to cause in your heart a burning fire. Believe in the word of God. Accept his promises like Jeremiah. The Lord is with me. Focus in God, O Lord of hosts, and plead your cause. Spread it all out before the Lord. And find a great blessing in it. Find joy again in serving. Because such a life when we joyfully use our talent and serve God. It brings glory to God. It brings honor to our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. It enriches others. And it blesses us. It's a great life. And in closing... Let me just finish by this. Jeremiah's days ended very sadly in Egypt. He was carried away after the captivity of Jerusalem. He warned the people not to go to Egypt, to stay. Jeremiah was carried away and he, he lived and he died and he finished his days in Egypt. Just imagine that day when Jeremiah is standing before the Lord. And the Lord is saying, Jeremiah, I want to review your life and your ministry. Can just picture Jeremiah, his head going down. Forty years this prophet preached, he saw nothing. His head's going down. And the Lord says, stop, Jeremiah. I want to tell you that in this book, your book, your messages, and your life is in this book, the Holy Scriptures, that is transformed and brought good news for 2,000 years throughout the continents of this world. You have been part of it. You have been part of the salvation, my word, being used for the salvation of millions of people. Can imagine Jeremiah's shock. And Jeremiah, you were a great inspiration both in how you lived and what you said and your courage. And let me tell you of the, the thousands of believers that your ministry and your life and your example encouraged to live fearlessly for God. We can only imagine Jeremiah's surprise. And I believe that that will be the same for you and me. Because you kept going, because you kept amongst God's people and you kept serving and you kept praying, you kept on. You did not quit. Yes, it was hard and yes, it was difficult. There were times that you almost were at breaking point, but you kept on. 
the Lord says to you on that day when you will stand at the judgment seat of Christ, look, I want to tell you, because you did not quit, I want to tell you of how your life is impacted. Remember that person you prayed for? There they are. Remember the, the, the service you did for me? Look at the fruits of that labors. I believe there are many surprises. And brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ today, may we be encouraged. Keep on keeping on. Keeping on living for Jesus. Keeping on serving joyfully and passionately. Don't quit. Keep on. Let me pray. Father, we pray that you will help us. Help us to serve you. Help us to live for you. Help us, our Father, we pray, not to give up. We think of a man like Jeremiah, how you used his life. And we just pray that you will use our lives for your glory and the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Our final hymn this morning is a lovely hymn that calls us to put our armour on. O Church of God, arise and put our armour on. So let's stand and sing. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. As we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus, with all his saints. Amen. Well, thank you very much for joining us this morning. In a moment, you'll see some information at the bottom of the screen that appears, which is our contact details on our website. If you want to find out more about faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, feel free to have a look and to contact us. You are most welcome.